Learn the most advanced recruiting techniques. Land the most desirable talent. Launch your company towards massive success. This is the Higher Power Radio Show with Rick Gerard. Engagement. Well, not the type of engagement <laughs> you're thinking of. We're not talking about getting married here. Um, I don't know about you, Steve, but my wife will let me get married again. We're talking about engagement in a business sense. Employee engagement is one of the most critical elements that leads to the success of your company, which I believe starts at the first point of contact with your organization. Yes, before someone is hired. Today's quote, it's not what you say and it's not what you do. It's how you make people feel that they remember. And you know who uh, said that, Mr. Uh, Steve Higginbotham? Yes, I do. Milo Angelo. I know. And you actually gave me that quote. <laughs> so we went with it's it. It's a great quote. All right. I'm Rick Gerard and welcome to the Higher Power Radio Show. Our mission is to help entrepreneurs and hiring managers avoid costly hiring mistakes. We identify specific problems and we provide proven solutions to help you win the right hire. We share insights from top performing rebel entrepreneurs, disruptors, and industry experts like our guest today, Mr. Steve Higginbotham. Steve is a branch manager of Volt Workforce Solutions. He's also an author too, right? Yes, I you am. Want to Thank plug you. your book really quick? I can do that. What's I wrote my first it? book. It's called Mirror Management, and it the understudy is bruised, not broken. All right. So Steve spent his career aligning businesses or actually business professionals with career opportunities. The value that he brings to companies is his ability to identify with their strengths and opportunities for growth. Steve's uh, experience coaching individuals helps improve communication. Uh, He's also conducted numerous presentations to board members and C-level professionals with highly respected clients and industry associations. So he's a people-oriented leader who drives business collaboration to maximize team performance while mentoring and coaching individuals through aligned approaches to achieve desired results. Steve, welcome to the Higher Power Radio Show today. Thanks for having me, Rick. I really appreciate it. I'm happy to have you here today. So today we're talking about engagement, (laughs) minus the ring. So we're going to talk about what it is and what it isn't about why engagement is uh, is critical today and how to engage people to create emotional attachment. So let's dig into it. Steve, you ready? I am absolutely ready. All right, let's go. So what is engagement and why is it important? Go. <laughs> so thanks for that. Engagement is, is, for me, a deeper level. So when you think about engagement, and let's talk about it from the potential or the prospective candidate, the employee's perspective. Engagement, when we look at the quote, you know, it's not what you say, it's not what you do. So it's not just sending an email. It's not just talking to someone on the phone, but it's the entire process that companies go to attract and how they engage their candidate pool to come into a company, as well as how do they engage when they want to retain that talent. So it's pretty deep and it's a lot of forefronts there. And engagement on the people that they pass on too, right? It's how you make them feel. So yeah. th- that's a big problem today. And you see Glassdoor has is making lots of money off the fact that you <laughs> yep. screw up engagement. Well, and think of it this way. When you think of engagement, say you turn away a candidate, because a lot of folks, they look at a job description, whether it's a hiring manager, it's sourcers, recruiters, and they look at the person's resume and they try to make a match. Well, what really is a match? But what they don't understand is a resume talks about what they've done, doesn't talk about what that candidate's willing to do. So they may not be the perfect match, but also... They know people. They have referrals. And if you're not engaging them appropriately, they're going to have that bad image of your company and they're not going to refer someone to you that might be that right fit. Yep. 
So very true. Let's talk about management because I think that's where, where a lot of the issues come from, right? I would agree. We tend to look at resumes. We screen them. Most of us have hot buttons, things we like, things we don't like that get us to make a decision on whether or not we even want to contact somebody. I believe it's important to contact almost everybody who's, who's got relevant skills or skills that you think might be transferable. So look for reasons to screen people in rather than screen people out. Cup is half full, correct? <laughs> I love it. <laughs> All right. So where is the problem in engagement from a hiring manager perspective? I think in a sense, some hiring managers get involved too late in the process. There's, there's an issue there. I what think, do you mean? so if, if a lot of companies, I hate the post and coast method, you know, you go out there, you wait for candidates, especially in the tight talent market today, you can't wait for talents to come for you. Talent. You have to go out and seek that talent. You have to attract them. And a lot of companies don't have videos that talk about why people work for their company. So when you're thinking of, do I want to work for this company? There's no engagement from, well, what are the different departments and what do they like about this company? What sets them apart? What's different? So managers aren't seen. Everybody's on LinkedIn. You can see a picture, but you don't feel the culture. And I think managers also have to drive that. So that's one area. Hmm. So you're saying the video aspect, that's employer branding, right? Correct. But it's still engagement. Kind of is. But I mean, is it really giving you an idea of what the culture is or is it just showing you the activities that people do? It's showing you activities. Yeah. The other part of engagement. We have free lunch. Yeah, exactly. Right. Look at what I've got. Look at how the, the person the starts. Alley. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Or another thing is when folks start, they have this nice mug, they have this T-shirt, they have their computer. Great first day. But what happens day two? What happens day five? Our managers engage with that employee then. But let's move back to let's attracted candidate first, right? That's yeah. what you're trying to get to. And I think managers are so late in the game or so far in the process that if I'm an employee and I might've had a phone call, I might've had a couple emails, I've been in for a face-to-face, -face, I've met HR, and now I'm finally meeting the manager. That engagement piece right there is, well, I want to know who I'm working for first. I want to know what their philosophies are. I want to know what their challenges have been. I want to be transparent and honest. And I feel like some of that is overshadowed, it's hidden, and it's not truly transparent. Therefore, when candidates are coming to the companies, they're not truly engaged till late in the process. But in their mind, they might be making decisions well before that last interview. Well, they're probably making assumptions before they even go in. Exactly. So are you, are you saying that basically we're bringing the hiring managers into the process too late? Absolutely. Okay. So the hiring managers should be involved when? I would think sometimes after the first phone call, maybe the hiring manager does a phone screen or maybe the hiring manager meets with the candidate as well as with HR. I think there's also a process that a lot of companies don't necessarily have a standard process or don't have a process at all. Or a lot of companies aren't kind of, in other words, interviewing the right way. They're asking just questions that maybe they've been asking for 20 years. So whether it's behavioral questions. Be five years. Yeah. I mean, yeah. sometimes managers don't know what to do, so they default by reading the resume. Well, the resume got them in the door. I want to know who this person is. I want to know what struggles they've had. I want to know adversity. But just remember, that candidate's also interviewing that manager. Do I want to work for this leader? Do I want to work for this group? Have they been honest with me? And that's where I think a lot of things fall short is not everybody's necessarily transparent. Not everybody's honest. You don't want to say the good and the bad, but if we know that we've moved forward from, say, something we've done a couple years ago and now we're better for it, you're engaging that person. You're being honest and real with them. So you want them to be real with you. That's what's going to drive culture. That's what's going to drive change. So why do we shield the managers? My, my assumption would be that most managers 
haven't actually gone through recruiting training. Correct. Maybe it's a situation where, okay, let's get the person primed up first before we bring him to the manager. So maybe that's the problem. It, it is because if you think about it, that might be old school mentality or a mentality that might have worked for other generations. And now if you think of the workforce, how many different generations are in the workforce today? And they need to be engaged differently. But it's kind of like that's just how we've always done it. Like we always post a job. I think that at the heart of it, though, we all want the same thing. Our generation <laughs> is not happy about millennials and we have problems with millennials because they're doing what we wanted to do, but we didn't have the courage to do. Be engaged differently. They want to be able to work from home. They want to be able to. So we just continue to go down the norm. This is exactly. what we know. This is what we're doing. And so that's where I feel managers are late in the game that they need to be brought in sooner. They need to be part of the the process, not the final stamp of approval. Like I'm going to give my blessing and this is the person I'm hiring because I know that they're right for my department. Thanks for teeing them up. It's like, no, you're part of that process early on. Okay. So managers need to be trained. Correct. And trained differently. Let's talk about engagement, really what it is, because there's three different elements of engagement, Correct. right? There's, we, we need to engage the candidate. The candidate needs to engage us. And then of course, the hiring manager and the team needs to engage the candidate as well. That's Two on us and yeah. one on the, the one on the candidate, right? Correct. Whose responsibility is it? That's a loaded question. Very tough. But I really think everybody's responsibility. But if I'm a candidate right now in today's market, I want it to be on them. It needs to be talent acquisition sort of needs to own it and help develop that process and make sure that they're engaging their managers to whether they're training them differently, they're training them on proper interviewing techniques on what they want to do for their client or their company, but they need to be early in the process. So if I'm a candidate and I'm going to look for a job, it's not it's not up to me because I have choices. Absolutely. And I think we all know that. So it's really talent acquisitions department. It could be learning and development, but it's definitely the hiring manager. If I'm a hiring manager and I want to obtain great talent, I need to be part of that process sooner rather than later. Because what if you have a sourcer, for instance, that's overworked, underpaid? They have too many things and most going of them on. Are. Exactly, right? Yes. And sometimes they're not even trained properly there. They might be looking over a candidate. To your point, is let's let's consider this candidate if they have some of the foundational skills. Maybe we can train on certain areas. But if I'm not a manager and I'm not seeing that resume, I'm not having that conversation with my internal talent acquisition team and I'm not engaged early on, that candidate might just be shuffled away, might be put in a desk drawer, filed away, or even worst case scenario, thrown in the recycling bin. Talent acquisition is so important mm -hmm. and bringing people into your organization is so important, but so little resources are poured into training, both the recruiting team and the hiring managers, putting the resources into making sure when you bring somebody through that door, that person wants to work for your company. That let person's me, engaged. Let me dig into that just a moment. You Let's hit a hot it. button with me. Yeah. So when you think of hiring talent, especially today, whether it's technical or non-technical, everybody wants to hire top talent. Yep. Everybody wants to retain 100%. top talent. And some companies have, think about just orientation, what their day one looks like. Think of what their day two and three looks like. So you have maybe a little bit of training, but what they miss is what you just hit on, which is what part of I do in a sense off the side is... Think about coaching. Think about mentoring. That's a deep engagement that comes from managers and leaders that maybe talent acquisition doesn't own that piece. But again, let's recap. Everybody wants to hire top talent. Everybody wants to retain top talent. But what's missed in the middle is maybe a little how bit of training here and there. And how do I identify top talent? Because yeah. I think there's a lot of top talent that gets completely passed over because of a resume. Oh, absolutely. So my philosophy is a resume talks about what you've done. 
A resume does not talk about what you're willing to do. I want to know what has this person gone through? What but are their does struggles? It, does and what it is really grit? hit everything that the person's done? No, it doesn't. Not at all. It's just, it's optimized. Most resumes now are optimized to make it past your screening filter and your ATS system. Correct. So I have to have all the right buzzwords the right amount of times so in order for me to actually get an interview with your company. Absolutely. Silly. It opens the door. Yeah. But then after that, I mean, there's a lot of times I interview folks and I let them speak first. What questions do you have for me? What do you know about my organization? What brought you in here today? That's how I start the interview on them. They're actually telling me what they know. So I can guide what they've done as far as research, how much I need to engage them, where I need to engage them, um, maybe what I need to reiterate, reiterate. But a lot of managers aren't doing that because they're the final stamp of approval. In today's world, you can't be the stamp of approval. You need to be the front, but the actually, middle, and the end. That, that is the um, that solution. Actually, the managers are not the final stamp of the approval anymore. It's Correct. the candidates. Good point. The candidate's making the decision, and you are not in the driver's seat anymore. Not today. So that, that's a realization that all companies really need to, to realize, is that your company's not the prize. Correct. A lot of times the money or the name brand wins out because of the fact that in a combination of both, because of the fact that people are lured by those things. But let's They're the shiny object. I'm going to add one more to that. So definitely Please money. Do. But for me, money has never been my number one. It's not number it two or be. three. Yeah. Name brand is a big thing. But I also look for opportunity. Do I want this job? I, I don't, I'm not a person that wants the same job every single one or two years. I like to change. I like the challenges. I like to grow. Sure. I don't necessarily have to have a specific growth path, but I want to know that one exists. And I feel like sometimes even hiring managers, they interview for specifically this job. They don't think about next one. And I'll give you, I'm going to dive a little bit deeper on that. So let me give you a scenario. This, okay. is, this is a little thing I learned a long time ago, 10 years ago. It's you might train a good talent and that person may leave your department. But you also might not train good talent and that person may stay. You know, here's the thing. If you train somebody up and you get them really good and they do leave, you have the opportunity if you do things right to bring them back. Some of the strongest hires, uh, I had a show a few weeks ago on boomerang hires. And Google actually says that some of their strongest hires are rehires. Mm -hmm. Why would you not take advantage of that? So here's another thing, too, is when you're training that person up to leave, they may not be leaving the company. They may just be leaving your department. But if you have that knowledge, why would you not want to transfer it to someone else and help them? You don't want to dangle the carrot and say, oh, yeah, if you do this, you're going to get promoted and they're gone. You have a succession plan. You have a transition strategy. You not only have their knowledge, but now you're bringing in someone else that has other knowledge. What if that person's better than the person that was a predecessor? All right. You're listening to the Higher Power Radio Show. I'm your host, Rick Gerard. We're going to take just a quick break. All right. Find out how healing a person's pain points attracts amazing talent to your company. Sign up for our free webinars at stridesearch.com. Our guest today is Steve Hickenbotham. He's the branch manager of Volt Workforce, and we are talking about engagement. So we just talked a little bit about what it is and why it's important today. Now we're going to dig into how the how to engage people and create a emotional attachment to your organization. We've identified the problems. So how do we teach somebody how to create that human interaction? I think the big thing for me, and, and you and I talked about it briefly, but it is really having the phone conversation. It's not sending, I don't like templated emails. I've been on the market in the last 10 years, a couple of times, and I've looked specifically at positions. And when I get 
let's just say 10, 15 templated emails, and then I get one phone call or I get one email that's more personable. That differentiates them. So it it is that human contact piece. It's the what are you going to do to differentiate yourself? Now, it may take a little bit longer to do more structured or specific, more personal emails. However, your results and your feedback and your follow-up is going to be so much greater than just templated emails. So that's one. So I think you can do templated emails, but you have to do them from a different perspective. That's a good way to look at it. The thing is, it's not scalable to sit there and write a actual, like, really customized email to each person. I know a lot of people that do that, and they still don't get that high of a response rate. And I think it's more in the positioning than it is the actual message itself. I think if we look at it, too, you can do templated emails, but are you following up with a phone call? And what is your follow-up? It's persistence. Like, what is your follow-up? Because if someone sends me an email and forgets about me, but yet someone sends me two or three templated emails, and maybe each email is different. There's, in other words, a marketing strategy yeah, that here's email one, here's email two, here's email three, and it looks differently. I feel different. I feel like you really want me. Even if it's templated and it's targeted, it's the follow-up. So there's an addition to that. You will eventually respond. If you want the company. I, no, even if you don't. Okay, so I had a... A person I placed in November, 31 points of contact it took me to get this person on the line. It was I started joking around on his voicemail, and I think I said something like, hey, like I just want to let you know that your voicemail and me are going out to lunch tomorrow. Uh, you're invited <laughs> to come if you'd like. I should have done that about 15 messages sooner, but the fact of the matter is he called me back and he thought it was funny. So trying different things or, or having a de- different delivery of that works. Yeah. Oh, it's a different approach. And you used humor because you knew you weren't getting in touch with them. and But you also probably knew that it was a passive candidate. It's not someone just on the job board. So you were aggressive in your approach to go after them, but not overly aggressive where you offended them or anything such as that. Well, this is somebody that we specifically identified for. Exactly. Yeah. So we tend to do a targeted approach mm-hmm. and then we branch out from there. Yeah. I think the average on a sales call is like seven to 10 points of contact yes. before somebody will pick up your call. So, and it's it's not just pick up your call. They want to also gain trust. They want to know that you're genuinely interested in them. They want to know that it's an open position because let's face it, there are postings out there on the internet that are probably not live positions. They're trying to attract talent. So that comes down to your messaging. Mm-hmm. And if your messaging is like everybody else, yeah, which is, hey, I found your res- your profile on LinkedIn and wow, you'd be perfect for this role that I'm uh that I'm recruiting for at my company, me, 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 let me tell you more about me. And then, you know, then you finally go into you, that turns people off. Well, on the other side of that is some companies don't think that maybe they'll go into, let's just say like an Indeed or a LinkedIn, and they see that the posting's been up for 30 days. Oh, but I'm perfect. Well, why did it take you 30 days to engage me? So some people, I mean, some of these active candidates are smart and sharp on that. Now, it doesn't mean that they're not going to respond but it's going to cause them to maybe question, why has it been open so long? Why are you just now engaging me 30 days later or 60 days later? That's a good question. So, I mean, you have to address that in your in your messaging. Yeah. What kind of messaging do you find works for you? For me, it, it literally, it is that personal approach. So let's say you do send a templated email and you're sending to 50 to 100 different people. And maybe you do get some responses back. And just because some of those folks are responding back doesn't make them the perfect fit or doesn't make them the right candidate. So, But you still want to talk to all of them because you're giving them the impression that this is something I want. And they may fit another job. But then there's those other 45 or 75 or 80 that you haven't connected with. How do you follow up with them? Well, if it's the same templated email, they might be turned off. But if it's something a little bit different or if you're following up with them with a phone call. 
And how often do you do it? Do you do it every day? Do you do it every five days? What's the right? There's not a right or wrong way. But for me, if I'm a candidate and I'm a passive, there's no right or wrong time. But if I'm aggressively looking in today's market, if I talk to someone once every 30 days, I've got 10 other calls that I'm speaking to. Okay. So according to LinkedIn, there's an 85% pool that are passive talent that are open opportunities. You have a huge pool and yet... As you reach out to people, you're only getting 10 to 15% engagement on people that you reach out to. Why? Again, it has to do with, it's got to be the messaging. It's messaging and it's persistency. I call it professionally persistent. You don't want to be aggressive. Don't want to attack them, but you've got to be professionally persistent. So how do you engage a candidate? If I'm a startup executive and I'm trying to get two or three people on my company, what do you do? So for me, if you're a startup executive, you're an entrepreneur, you're going to, for me, I mean, I'm, I'm going to send an email, but I'm going to call them. And part of the reason I like the phone calls is there's excitement in my voice. You can talk to them and be like, look at this great entrepreneurial position that I've got open right now. Look at our, you know, our social media. We're out here on Instagram or YouTube or Snapchatting, whatever. This is something I know you want to be a part of. Please give me a call back. I'm open here from seven to seven. This is going to be a great opportunity. Or okay. you leave a templated email and, you know, I'm interested in speaking to you. There's a different tonality when you're on the phone. Hey, with I'm them. right there with you on phone calls because you and I came from the old school where yep. you pick up the phone and you dial and that's how we learned. There's a lot of candidates that don't get phone calls as much anymore. They'll get lots of text messages now Yeah, because everybody knows <laughs> that it has a really high open rate. 98% of text messages get open. A response, yep. Not necessarily, but they get open. They have an open rate, which I think it's like 20% on email. Okay. You have to take advantage of the fact that not very many recruiters, not very many people are picking up the phone and actually calling people. True. So why not do that? It, it differentiates you. And again, I love the tonality. You can hear the excitement. You can, who better to sell your company than yourself? You know, you can put a YouTube video out there and talk about, you know, 10 different departments about what but they're doing. But everybody's doing, doing that. that. That's the thing. That's the thing. But if it's an entrepreneur company and you're not yet mass marketed and they don't know about you, they've got to believe in you. How do you get them to trust you quickly? How do you get them to want to engage you? And they may not be the right candidate, the perfect one, but how do you attract them? And it, to me, that voice and that energy, we've all been to a conference at some point. We've all heard great speakers and we've all heard poor speakers. And we know the difference between the two. But when you think about it, what draws you to a good speaker? A, they have the content, so the messaging is really good, or they have that energy. And if you're selling a brand new entrepreneurial company, you got to have both. I look at it this way. I want to open up somebody's pain point. I want to get somebody thinking about what problems they have in their current role first. And that's the one thing that differentiates me from everybody else. So I don't say I have a perfect opportunity for you. I try to open up that pain point. So you do it, in my opinion, the right way. You talk about them first, talk about the job second versus a lot of recruiters. Hey, this is a job I have. And you're already turning them off because maybe something on their resume or something on the job doesn't mesh. Here's the thing. They don't care about the words coming out of your mouth. <laughs> they don't. If you call somebody, you have seven to 10 seconds to engage them. Yep. And that's what we learn in sales 101. It's yeah. And if I start talking about me, 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 I, you tune out. But if I start talking, <laughs> Just kidding. hey, I like that. We're here. <laughs> yep. But if I start talking about you and I get you talking about you, your favorite subject, then what happens? I'm open. I'm engaging you. Boom. Yeah. It's, it's again, it's 
asking the open-ended questions, like you mm-hmm. said. It's taking it from a different mm-hmm. approach. And I don't think, going back to what we said a little earlier, is sometimes these sources, recruiters, talent acquisition, and even managers aren't trained in that. They don't. And and again, if you remember what I said about 15 minutes ago, I, I'd let the candidates come in and I don't talk about their resume. I say, what questions might you have? What do you know about Volt? What do you know about this? And sit back and let them talk because I want to fill their gaps first and then I can sell my company second. So we're on the same you page You make there. it about them first. Boom. Absolutely. Okay. So key takeaways. What are three things that you want our audience to walk away with from this conversation? Go. If I had to do, <laughs> break it down concisely, it's differentiate yourself from a standard hiring process. It's create a structured interview process and it's train your employees and always be talent minded. So what does that mean, talent minded? So think of a manager. A lot of managers don't think it's their responsibility to go out and flip business cards or shake hands. Think about going to restaurants. You have great service, right? You want to talk with them and engage them. But, oh, this person doesn't fit my department. But you have a customer service department somewhere. You have a sales department. Be talent minded on hire good people for your organization, regardless if they report to you or not. Be mindful and be aware. Boom. And with that, we're going to wrap up. (laughs) <laughs> Sounds good. So we're just about out of time for today's show today. Steve, thanks so much for your time. Thanks for having today, me. And I appreciate it. Um, welcome to the Higher Power Radio community. Now, what is the best way in which our listeners can get a hold of you, get a hold of your book, and find out more about you? Perfect. So three things. One is LinkedIn. It's stevehiggy.com, H-I-G-G-Y. You can find me out there. The only one with the long last name, Higginbotham. The other one is pretty simple email. It's coffeecoach at outlook.com. And then on Amazon, I do sell the Kindle version, and I do have hard copies of the book Mirror Management, and it's bruised, not broken. All right, perfect. All right, well, I want to thank our listening audience for tuning into this week's episode of Higher Power. Quick thanks to our team, our engineer, Paul Roberts, our producers, Andrea Ballin, Shanti Ryle, and my creative director, Ayla Girard. That's my daughter. Oh, there you go. She, she <laughs> makes me put her name in there. Perfect. All right, if you're listening to the podcast, please subscribe, review, and share. We love your feedback. And after all, the show is all about you. You can join the Higher Power Radio community at Higher, that's H-I-R-E, Power, P-O-W-E-R, Radio, R-A-D-I-O.com. And you can drop me an email at rick at stride search to learn about our webinars and workshops. Tune in next week. Our guest is going to be Lorraine Ladd. Lorraine is Associate Director of Talent Acquisition for Alliant Group. I'm your host, Rick Girard, and you have been listening to the Higher Power Radio Show. Aloha. Mahalo. Thank you for listening to Higher Power with Rick Girard on OC Talk Radio.